everyone and welcome to the next edition of the VTX podcast. Here at the Veterinary Thought Exchange, we like to start by asking, what are you thinking? And this week, we are going to be chatting with Bronwyn from VetBytes about this really exciting new uh, learning platform. So just to introduce myself, my name is Scott. I'm one of the founders of VTX and I'm a specialist in small animal internal medicine. And as ever, I'm joined by my friend um, and podcast producer, Karen, who is here to keep us on track. Hi. Hello, hello. Right, Broman, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the podcast. Um, I wanted, if it was okay, to start just by uh, finding out a little bit about you. Um, So I don't know if you can tell everyone... um, where your veterinary journey started. Um, I'm always interested to know where people went to uni and things. So <laughs> if you wanted to, yeah, just chat through that, that'd be great. Thank you for inviting me, Scott. No uh, problem. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, um, I suppose like many people, I kind of wanted to be a vet since I was quite young mm-hmm. and uh, worked in all sorts of practices before uni. Uh, one job took me to Norway for three months, au pairing 18 chihuahuas, which was quite interesting. Oh uh, I've had a lifelong love of chihuahuas since. Oh. Uh, unlike <laughs> I think, I think you know you've got too much money when you can afford an au pair for your chihuahuas. No, she was a she, it was a large house set in grounds, and she'd disappear off doing whatever she did, and wow. I'd be surrounded by this sea of absolute delightful chihuahuas that and Alice, Alice the Doberman would come on the walks to try and keep the elks away because of course in the forests there were elks so Alice <laughs> would do the circuit and uh, I'd be there with a sort of maypole in each hand of chihuahuas getting entangled into yeah oh good my time. goodness so, me that's amazing worked with okay. a vet in Norway <laughs> and so on and then <laughs> got into the RBC uh, okay after that so um and what did uh, did you know at that stage when you, you know so did you know when you kind of went into vet school what you kind of wanted to do and how your veterinary journey was going to go you know large versus small or that sort of thing it's funny isn't it like with everything i suppose you have ideas but then actually you know life happens and mm. uh i i originally wanted to work with horses actually um and i was in the african research team in the rbc which took me to Sudan for three months, which was absolutely incredible. And that sparked a real love for traveling and working abroad and working with different cultures and different animals. And I have to say camels to this day are probably still my favorite animals, but. Um, wow. And have you, so have you spent a lot of time being a vet abroad? Is that something you've, you've done? Yes, I've, I've worked in, I worked in Egypt for two or three years, um, setting up a clinic out there for someone, but also working with the Sinai Wildlife Project. So that was mostly storks, camels, working out in the desert and then doing local cats and dogs with quite a lot of scuba diving in between. Uh, I'm a dive master, so I quite enjoy that side of uh, oh, wow. those wow. countries too. And I was in Belize for four years, so I set up my own practice there actually. And Um, a humane society which is still running today actually which was really one of the most satisfying things I've ever done it was very hard work but the education programs in the schools the relentless neutering and the development one can see over a few years is really eye-opening actually and you know people really want to do the right thing they just don't know what that is so Mm -hmm. you know I arrived to this place full of the most terrible dogs with transmissible venereal tumors and mange and you know you name it mm-hmm. and 
people who actually for fun used to tie up dogs by a lagoon so that they could watch crocodiles come out and eat them kill them and eat them oh, yeah no. so you know some pretty horrific standards i suppose if you call it that but of course being i guess a big fish in a small sea you know very quickly you become part of the corvettes in the whole country and you can influence things you know i help write white papers wow. with them for animal um, rights and work with the town board to actually stop the legal strychnine poisoning of dogs as their management uh, method um, and so things like that you know are really not what you go into veterinary college thinking you're going to end up doing but actually one of the most satisfying parts of my whole career and and actually understanding how people why they do that you know the invet the um, veterinary inspector or the health inspector would go out at two in the morning when all the tourists are asleep, dropping strychnine around for the stray dogs and then oh pick up God. the bodies. And actually, I went out with him at two one morning and I said, look, I really need you to stop doing this. It's just not acceptable. He couldn't mm -hmm. see it at all. And I said, okay, look, I will euthanize these dogs for you. Let me do it humanely. It will still be the same endpoint, but at least they don't have the pain. And oh, it makes hair stand up on my arm. I'll speak about it. I asked him to hold oh, the dog while I euthanized it. And that's the last one oh my goodness. he did. Oh and he goodness. then stopped strychnine and then came on board with the whole Humane Society, the neutering education, the rehoming and so on. So, um, you know, sometimes you just have to go that extra step and make someone understand what they're doing and, you know, why. I mean, it's mm. a slightly going off topic, but, you know... Those sorts of parts, not what you see when you enter vet college. It's uh, no, that, and that's, that's incredible. And I, this is why I think it's so interesting to talk to people because, you know, you just, people have done such amazing, amazing things. So uh, like you say, I presume you did not go into the RVC thinking that that's kind of where your journey would take you. Um, so tell us then how you um, navigated yourself back to Brighton. <laughs> well, when I actually grew up in London, so I was okay. at the RVC, a real Londoner, never right. thought I'd ever leave London until I had a weekend in Brighton. Oh yeah, good. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> so uh, I had my first job was in Brighton. Okay. And actually, um, although I've you know, gone abroad, I've done locoming, I've, you know, I've always come back to Brighton, I've worked all over the country, I've worked in London a bit as well uh, for a few years, but most of my main jobs have been in Brighton and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm at a main hospital now there. Okay, um, and is it, is it s small animal or, or? Small animal, first opinion without of hours, and um, I'm the head vet of a sort of team of about eight vets. Okay. So, um, and fantastic team. I mean, it's just my dream job. I love oh, it there. Oh, great. And you get to be in Brighton, which is very cool. Exactly. Um, so what, um, what are you, it's interesting time just now, I think we, we kind of chatted about this a little bit when we spoke before, but what are you kind of finding sort of some of the key challenges well obvious <laughs> coronavirus but how do you think that that has um, affected your practice and the way that 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 things are you know it's interesting the the coronavirus thing is <laughs> yeah. difficult because everyone has their own opinion on it so mm. it's you know you get so many channels of news and fake news and hearsay and everything else um it, it's difficult sometimes to really get to grips with what's real. Um, and of course I'm all about the evidence base and it's sometimes difficult to get that in this situation. And of course we're dealing with every day in our normal job, forget coronavirus, we're dealing with people who are stressed every time they come in. They all think it's got cancer, whether they're in for a booster or not. They all need just holding and supporting. It's like pediatrics, you know, 
it's okay, we're working together, everything's gonna be okay, this is the journey we're gonna have, let's talk about all the different routes. But with the current situation, I think there's a lot of stress on the clients, mm -hmm. more than we can ever imagine. Um, and then that puts more pressure on us because they tend to vent a little bit to us because, mm -hmm. You know, if you're doing a really good consultation, my feeling is that you get a really thorough history. Nearly all your answers are in the history. And when you are starting to have a deep conversation with someone about the ins and outs and details and so on, they start to open up, they start talking. They may not see many people for months. Mm -hmm. And of course, lots of things come out. So it, it's not a counseling session, but quite a few of mine <laughs> turn into that. Yeah. Um, and I think then, you know, if things don't quite go to plan or if they're feeling guilty because they can't afford something, so many things come into it that I think a lot of vets are finding that out of the blue, they're getting these weird complaints that they've never had before. Mm -hmm. That then puts huge stress on us because you think, well, what have I done? I haven't changed anything. I'm, you know, I'm covering my back all the time in my notes and so on. And it's, it's actually just because the whole structure has changed. Mm -hmm. And also everyone is exhausted, I think. I mean, I don't think it's just us. I think everyone is tired from the whole corona weirdness of rotors and lockdowns and mm -hmm. juggling everything from family to everything else. Mm -hmm. um, and then coming out of that into a slightly more new normal, um, tired and a bit sort of frazzled. We're super busy. You can't get appointments for mm -hmm. weeks. And yet people aren't, not that they should be grateful, but they're still angsty. So it mm -hmm. puts a lot of pressure because you've got to maintain that professional front. You've got to do a really good job. You've got to, you know, give confidence and all the rest of it when actually your knees are sort of, twitching a bit and yeah. <laughs> you know you've been for 12 hours so it's weird out there yeah. actually but i think it's it's really you know when we've spoken to people veterinary you know veterinary professionals it, i think it's just across the board you know it doesn't matter what type of practice you're in what you're doing you know it just has everything is just seems to have gone up a level and i think that's a really um important thing you said just about people being i love that just being frazzled and and so oh, yeah. that kind of threshold you know usually things you would maybe cope with you're just yeah. just not managing as much um yeah. and and we do we do seem to become a little bit of a punching bag sometimes I think um okay. I, I don't know why you know obviously people are emotional some you know when they're coming to see us anyway but I do think we get um we sometimes get a little bit of the the wrong end what's the, the phrase the you know the ba bad end of the stick that's not nothing to what to yeah. do with sticks I don't know what is this saying um, it's not sticks I know the wrong I don't know what you're trying to say <laughs> something to do with a stick anyway um yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I don't. Anyway, never mind. Um. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. So we were we were talking. It was interesting before. Just kind of. Um. Uh. Introducing. Um. This other very exciting venture that you are. Um. A part of, which is Vet Bites. Um. And how. Uh, we were. You know, talking about the fact that actually, potentially, that's a tool that people can use to take a little bit of the stress out of their, their day-to-day working. Um, do you want to just explain to people what VetBytes is? What, what, does, what does it do? Yes, VetBytes is um, a web-based resource. So we referred to it as an app, but actually it's a web-based app, which is um, designed for vets. So I was working in first opinion practice and another practice with my co-founder, Zoe, Coca and she and I were 
finding that, and this is a few years ago actually, um, that we just, although we were trying to work with evidence-based medicine, which is you know, very much the kind of ideal in both human and veterinary medicine, we found it difficult to find the resource that could give us reliable information for the case that was in front of us. Mm-hmm. And actually, independently, we were both working on our own little, I don't know, everyone has their own notes, don't they? Guidelines or whatever you like for our own use based mm-hmm. on our reading. Because you do all this reading and lectures and all that, and it's sort of in one ear and out the other. You, you keep a few kind of nuggets, but mm-hmm. if you actually can compile some of that and start bringing it together, you can refer to it. And she and I then realized we were both doing similar things and thought we'd come together and do this resource, which is basically based on the GPs, the doctor GPs uh, websites like BMJ Best Practice or GP Update, which they've had for 20 years. I mean, I think we're always behind them, which they can hardly survive without, I think sometimes, which has all the updated information all of the journals have been read, everything's been summarized, and it's right there for you. So you can have a reliable resource for the case that's in front of you. And so we started with evidence-based emergency medicine, which we felt was an area that people often find they're on their own, A, and B, have a full clinic, especially now, and emergencies come in, block cat, head trauma, whatever, and you've got your full clinic, you're sort of trying to juggle everything anyway, and those cases are the ones that can really cause problems with client stress, bad debts, and animals dying if you don't do the right thing and make the right decisions reasonably quickly. Mm-hmm. And actually, part of that is triaging, of course, but also delegating to your nurse the jobs they need to do while you might see the next patient and so on. So Mm -hmm. Zoe and I have read through all of the evidence, compiled a website that is hopefully very user-friendly and intuitive that is, has some algorithms to do with presenting signs. So one wants to try and be as problem-based as possible. Mm -hmm. Those lead into potential differential diagnoses that then have a link to the conditions and all the conditions are in A to Z um, and they, uh, they're presented in two ways, really, because we all have different um, amounts of information. As a new grad, of course, you come out a bit fresh. You might never have seen certain things. So we've got this really comprehensive evidence-based um, guide, which every line has got a reference against it, which will, you can follow back to its source. So you can then see the abstract, mm-hmm. full text or whatever. So you can see where the information's come from. Mm-hmm. And overlying that is what we call a keep it simple summary. So the KISS mm-hmm. version, which is, I guess, for people like me, who've been doing it for over 20 years and you know, have a certain amount of knowledge, but actually you can't keep up with it all. I mean, even yeah, writing this thing, you still use it. You know, when I'm on duty, I refer to it. And actually, it really um, just reminds you those kind of checklists. You know, what are the first things we need to do? Mm-hmm. It's a block cat. Some of the, because we're first opinion vets, those questions that come to mind, we're mm-hmm. fully aware of that, you know. And so there's all these sort of myths about, oh, it's blocked, don't put it on fluids, you'll burst mm-hmm. its bladder. Mm-hmm. You know, just forget that. Put it on fluids. Sure. It might be hyperkalemic, it's, you know, a risk for anesthesia. 
how to do a coccygeal block. I mean, that's mm -hmm. transformed my life. I don't know about anyone else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these things, until you do them or see them done or read how they're done and see the evidence for them can be a bit frightening in the moment. Yeah. So we've got lots of practical things like that. We've got drug calculators on the site for every drug uh, that we mentioned. We've got CRI calculators. We've got mm -hmm. quick reference data, which is things like placing drains and tubes and all that sort of thing. Um, and all of it is in the same sort of format as how the GPs use because it's a very easy to access. You can have it on your phone by the cage while you're mm -hmm. doing whatever you're doing. Um, and you can pass it to the nurse. They can be getting on with ABC while you see your next first opinion case mm -hmm. come out, so on. So it, it's, it's really good. And it was interesting, actually. I was um, had a locum in covering one day and in the middle of a day, a GDV came in, which was sort of unusual. And she'd never done one. No one could come in to help for whatever reason. And she had vet bites up on the side with the nurse while she did her first GDV and first incisional gastropexy all from the site. And it just, yeah, yeah. you know, made me feel really nice the way she felt. Conf she was sort of, now I can do it. I'm confident. Actually, mm -hmm. yes, it's not so bad. You know, mm -hmm. take it step by step. You check all the things. You get it mm -hmm. on its CRI. You, you know, it's just those checklists that sometimes go out of the window and you think, oh, it's the first one I've done. I, what am I doing? And there's no book to go to that's really... Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, things do... That's a really key thing, you know. Um, when I, you know, the, obviously medicine's my thing and, and I, you know, the, the latest volume of Ettinger is now four or five years old and actually there's things in Ettinger that, that already are, are out of date and obviously that's not the fault of Ettinger. He can't keep up, you know, he'll bring out a new edition. No, but, no. I, but I think having that kind of, yeah. and I think the key thing is that it's the accessibility and um, it's making that easy for people, taking away some of that stress, like you say, of having to read 20 papers. But I think, I think it comes down to something quite fundamental that actually one of the key stresses that I particularly felt when I was working in, in you know, really, bid, really busy first opinion practice is that feeling where you want to do the best and you want to do well, you, yeah, you want to do the best, but you just don't have the mental, emotional, physical capacity because it's just so busy and you don't have time to go and look at X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I think a, a really good example for me, exactly. for me is, and I think you're right about the emergency situation, is I get asked all the time, um, uh, or one of the really common kind of panicky advice things is if someone has a DKA that comes in and they're like oh god now I've got to do an insulin CRI and I've got to think about these can you send me a protocol I need a protocol that tells me how to you know and 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 that's always a, a panic and so so having something I don't know if you've got a DKA protocol in there but um having something like yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you do um having something like that just to be able to like to access is really honestly extremely yeah. valuable I, you, immediately you can see the benefit of that and, and once you get through that first bit you know it it sort of reassures you as well because you could say well is it a bit overwhelming to have all this gold standard stuff and it's no. not because it isn't all gold standard you know there are options there are options for your block cats there are options for everything and i think us being first opinion vets allows us to keep that in mind as it's being written mm -hmm. it's peer-reviewed by two different that's mm -hmm, each mm -hmm. part of it. Um, and so it's not our opinion at all. It's all based on what is in the evidence. And then it's been peer reviewed so that everything can be double checked. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's those 
things that are practical like the prognosis box you know you can tell the client at the beginning this is the chance with your fate you know of it recovering if it does how long it might live and what the chances of recurrence and so on so that when they go into it it's not always it's got to be a pts because it's a drama at the time they can't believe what you're saying mm -hmm. and yet the reality of the situation is this is what's going to need to be done and this is what your likely prognosis is mm -hmm. what do you think shall we make the first step and so on and you know it takes people along the journey it gives you a bit of something to look at and think okay wow that's the actual prognosis yeah. let's think about this um and i think also sometimes scott you know people don't have time even to look at resources yeah. they get home and then they think oh no. did i do the right no. thing for that case could i have done something else and yeah. reflective learning is the key thing now for cpd yeah. and the rcvs are trying to get us to really use that as part of our mm -hmm. cpd because i think it's often more useful almost like mortality and morbidity meetings that people mm -hmm. do um which are a good way of reflecting on a case is how a case is handled without criticizing anything actually just saying you know could we have done something different is the outcome likely to have been different um, did we do the right order of play? Did we use the right doses? All those different things. And actually, Bet Bites is great for that. Yeah. And you've got a link to the RCVS site on the site so that you can take a case. Okay, I did this, I did that. Maybe next time I might do this, looking at the evidence and so on. So it, it, it helps also with progression of your yeah. um, abilities. Hopefully. And I think it's one of the key things for me and one of the things that I get time and again when I'm... I, 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 you know, I speak to a lot of different vets and sometimes it's to give them advice and, and maybe to mentor them in different ways. But one of the key things is is not this feeling of being judged or or uh, feeling like you're going to be criticised. You know, particularly you mentioned M&M rounds. Um, you know, I, I know some vets have got this pathological fear of that sort of thing because they feel like it's a, a criticism or a judgment. And actually, if you've got a platform where you can just you know the facts are laid out for you um and and it's in a very user-friendly way as you said but also in a non-judgy way and no one's going to come and be like well you didn't do that um and what i really i really like yeah. i really like this that what you said about you know we're 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 approaching this with our sensible head on you know and i think that's another sort of criticism sometimes that you know it's it's easy to to sit in your referral ivory tower and say, well, I mean, obviously we do it this, this and this way, but actually um, when it comes to the reality of this, this and this way, that's not always an option. And there's lots of reasons why it's not an option. It can be, you know, money, resources, lots of different things. And so I really like that kind of, can I say sensible approach? Is that right? <laughs> You've got this kind of sensible approach to it. The recent evidence-based um, manifesto has been brought out, which really lays out quite clearly in sort of mm. bullet points really the importance of having accessible evidence-based medicine to the end user and i think that's the point you know it it you can read a paper but you've still got to interpret yeah. it and put it in perspective and you know so it's bringing it all together and making exactly. it real in the consulting room that's what we're trying to do and that's the bit that we found was missing that was really up to date uh, and you know you just can't keep up with all of it. You, no one can. So you have to have these sorts of resources. And I think that's really important as well, that we've got to, and I'm always conscious of this when I'm lecturing or 
I see something and you see someone, I've said this a million times, you see someone frantically scribbling it down. You're like, hold on, wait. So it's, you, it, it's very, very unusual for something to be completely black or white. It's, you've got to take this yeah. information and then put it in the context of a case. I think a really good example of that is, you know, the use of metronidazole for cases of, of of diarrhea. And I was reviewing some of the papers that looked to that. And there's a, I won't name the, the the paper actual paper there was a JSAP paper that 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 spoke about kind of using metronidazole in acute diarrhea but actually you know when you look at that paper in a bit more detail it's not quite the take home message that people you know the headline that people read and I think you've got to sometimes dig a little bit deeper to extract the really useful information from some mm. of these papers and um, so I think that's really important that, that you you can't just take something always completely at face value either. Um, and I think again, no, but, but again, true. people don't have, you're not, the last thing you want to do when you're home after an absolutely mental day is open JVIM. I mean, who wants to do that to send you to sleep? So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, sometimes, I, sometimes <laughs> 30 I, seconds of it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I do do that. Um, so I'm, I'm interested, um, I'm always interested, like the moment that an idea becomes a thing. So Liz and I, um, created uh, VTX for instance um uh in her living room um after being quite hungover actually um I'm just we're like we need to we're we're going to change direction exactly <laughs> yeah yeah we're going to change direction so what can you do do you remember the moment where you kind of I, I know you sort of said came together and you were like well hold on let's do this let's do this thing well actually um I started mine in the practice that I was in before uh, because there were quite a few egos around and opinions, <laughs> no. not evidence. In, in veterinary I medicine. The evidence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as it happens, my dad, who's a professor of medicine, had written uh, a thing called the Grey Book that the SHOs used to have in their white coat in the day at St. George's. And it was all the acute medical emergencies summarised with your bleep number as it used to be for the uh, consultant that you would um, get to and so on and so on anyway so I really liked that idea and I wanted to have a similar thing for myself mm. Zoe asked me she was doing the ECC certificate and asked me to proofread a, a essay or whatever case I think report she was doing and I said to her do you mind if I use this for something I'm doing and she went sure what what are you doing mm. you know and uh, I told mm. her and she went well, I'm doing a similar thing. That's really weird. How, what a coincidence, you know? And then, so we sort of came together like that and thought, well, what are you doing? What am I, because we were both a bit cagey about what we were doing because obviously mm -hmm. it was um, yes. our own thing. So we then thought, well, why don't we work together on this rather than two separate parallels and do a resource that we can work together on, do half the things mm -hmm. each. And then rather than do it in paper, because it'll be out of date before it's published, let's put it online then we can access it really easily and maybe we can share it with friends or whoever else. And then suddenly we thought, well, actually, hang on, let's make this much more realistic. Actually, we can all do with this, you know, locums mm -hmm. coming back from leave, mm -hmm. new grads, people who've forgotten everything. None of us know all of it. And mm -hmm. it's almost impossible to keep up with everything. So we're doing a latest updates feed currently, which keeps it updated and it is properly live. You know, it, it is, mm -hmm very dynamic thing and I think that's the benefit of it being online so yes we mm -hmm. kind of had that moment at that practice thinking hmm 
hmm, why not? Went away and thought mm-hmm. about it, came up with a list of conditions and put on initials by the ones we wanted to do and literally had almost no crossover. It was brilliant. She loved things right. that I hated. I loved things she hated. So it was, it was quite a nice sort of How does it then go from, obviously what's a brilliant idea, but it's kind of, um, you know, you're, it's all very shiny and your website, by the way, and I'm not just saying this, I love your... Um, I lo- the branding is great. Like I think it all looks looks really good. Um, so how do you kind of go from this this idea of you know creating a grey book that you might put in your pocket to this kind of actually quite big thing? On a shoestring, I think is the answer to that. But um, yeah. <laughs> Zoe's husband is an absolute IT whiz, so he has set up the website for us, and then we've sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, employed and borrowed and whatever people to help design logos we've come up with we're both very clear about what we wanted and we're both quite clear about the look we wanted and so on so we basically did the whole thing ourselves but then had some professional help to work it into the real final product Um, and then basically we've done it pretty much ourselves a little bit of investment but um, four or five years of really quite hard work so you and who came up with the name? I came up with Pet Bites. Zoe came up with Keep It Simple Summary. So it a bit each. <laughs> okay, good. Um, and so you have been creating this alongside a full-time job for the last four years. I mean, that's quite a lot. And two children each. <laughs> two children. That's what I was going <laughs> to, I don't, I was going to ask what's that situation. So that is, it's like all the hardest things, isn't it? Um, so, and I, you know, it's funny because Liz and I, I don't know, you know, kind of some of the, 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 the thinking behind all these things, but Liz and I always have this conversation mm-hmm. that we, we created uh, VTX really um, to ultimately allow us to kind of work in different ways and maybe maybe not be in the clinic as much uh, moving forward. But actually all we've done is just double our workload. <laughs> and so we're still both working full time and then doing, you know, and, and doing all of this um, on the side, which to be honest with you, and I don't know how you feel about vet bites, but for me, um, actually using whichever part of your brain you know, a bit of creativity, a bit of just other stuff, you know, um, that's maybe not just in clinic stuff is actually really nice. And I love, you know, sitting in my little office at home and and speaking to, you know, recording the podcast or doing a webinar or, you know, or I actually really like that, you know. I agree. And I think um, something completely different that it still, you know, mm-hmm. needs a bit of grey matter, but actually... Um, really is enjoyable i mean both of us really enjoy it uh you know is satisfying um obviously there are bits of it that are challenging and it's the planning and all the rest of it because obviously we're bringing out the nursing app next and then we're going to do all of the first opinion um topics next year but i think you know don't they say if you need something done ask a busy person you know you just have to be super organized every Mm -hmm. slot is you know and not not need too much sleep yeah, I mean, and the the ch- <laughs> the children don't help, do they? You said goodbye to that years ago, Scott. I know. <laughs> I always it's funny. Karen and I have been friends for a, a very long time. You know, we were friends from school, and um, and I always I always feel like I have the same conversation with my friends who are not vets, and I say, listen, the next job, I'm going to have so much more time. My work life balance is going to be amazing. I'm going to be able to blah blah blah. 
And it just absolutely has never happened. But that's okay. And I, like you say, I think if there's 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 <laughs> there's enjoyment in some of these other things, and just and and like you say, using your brain in a slightly different way, I just think that's that's it's good. So how is this sort of? You know, you've obviously launched now. What's kind of um? What's next? What what's the the vision? Um, what's the plan? So we launch with BSAVA in July and they're our partner um, endorser if you like but they allow us to um, sell to their subscribers and they're given a 33% discount. Mm -hmm. Um, New grad BSAVA members get the first six months free Um, and the BSAVA are you know obviously very well respected and have Mm -hmm. given us a lot of support and um, so on you know through the development um that moving forward the next one is a similar approach but for nurses so that nurses while they're training and once they're qualified can have a resource that gives them really good clear guides on evidence-based approach to for example nurse clinics that often really frighten nurses they don't have a lot of exposure to clients they don't want to be caught not knowing the answer to things or having a clear plan and so on so we're going to do a really good area on nurse clinics anesthetics of different types of animals brachycephalics elderly Mm -hmm. and so on how all your monitors work the things that change what you need to do about them what to look out for what is a block how do you treat it do you need to and so on Um, Mm -hmm. And then all of the sort of Kirby rule of 20 type um, support for inpatients Mm -hmm. and all the kind of uh, nursing plans and of course calculators and all Mm -hmm. those sorts of things as well. So it's going to be very comprehensive. It is not going to be, you know, the nursing manual on a website. It's going to be evidence-based and it's going to be all the theatre and sterilisation care, all the management of cleaning and all the different aspects. What clipper blades do you use and why? What's the best way to scrub? What's the best concentration for this, that and the other? Um, And I think sometimes it can be quite difficult for nurses. They sort of expect to do all these different things and actually, you know, they've got a really important job. I could not do my job without my nurses. They are absolutely core to the whole team. And they are really needing as well some guidance on doing their best evidence. It's all very well having evidence-based veterinary medicine, but actually there's plenty of information for nurses too. And that again needs to be brought together in a place where it's easily accessible. Um, A lot of us use iPads for anaesthetics these days. You know, you can have stuff on there easily in the link. I think also you were saying before though, the, um, you know, even things like the drug calculators and, and you know, if honestly, and this is honestly, if you handed me a bottle of glucose and a bag of, you know, saline and said, make up a 5%, I would struggle to do that. Like, it's not something that, you know, some people can think in that way and do maths really easily, but even sort of assistance with that sort of stuff, because that's quite stressful too, when you're, you're asked to make up stuff like that. And it's not always just easy to do it, you know? And even if you get it double checked, you know, you can start somewhere and you know all of our things need to be calculating things always need to be checked i think but you know you can start there and then it's double checked it's all right and you can go ahead with it and then you start to get the confidence for a feel for what you should be doing because a lot of our drugs we do know automatically because we know what it should be and you can only do that once Mm -hmm. you've done it a few times so it's like with anything and i think um having it just there when you're tired you know you you can make everyone can make mistakes when they're tired and I think if you've got it written there and you've got 
you know, safety nets and all the rest of it. I think it, you, you feel like you're doing a better job because you are doing a better job. So um, the team then mm-hmm. benefit from that and learns from each other. Um, yeah. And absolutely, yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Never going to be a bad thing. That, I think. No, no. I, I think honestly, and it's um, and and I know how much kind of work you know uh, bringing kind of that concept to fruition is you know and I, and so just massive respect for you to to get to this stage and like I said it really um it really looks great um and and I think it just uh, it's just such uh, you can see the massive benefit for everyone across the profession and, and also what's amazing is not just within the UK I know it, it, this is something that literally um can be accessed from anywhere whether you're in um Belize or was it Belize you were in anyway wherever wherever yeah. um so it literally can well, be accessed any- yeah exactly anywhere um I had a couple of other things I wanted to ask you if that was okay um I w- was interested we've been asking people um who um is their kind of veterinary inspiration is there someone um in the profession um that you have been particularly inspired by Interestingly, um, I mean, I think vets are an inspiration, but I generally, I think, you know, the profession is a great profession. The person that really inspired me was the person I used to see practice with when I was at school, because when I was at school, for whatever reason, the teachers constantly Mm. said, have a backup plan, you'll never make it. And, you know, it's too difficult, it's too this, it's too that. And he Mm. was someone who I used to work with on a Saturday. I used to do bits and pieces a lot in the holidays, kennel cleaner, and then sort of nursing bits and pieces. But he always really encouraged me just to keep going with it. Um, And I remember constantly watching him doing surgery, just itching to get my hands in there. I just found it so frustrating watching and not being able to get in there. And, you know, he, he, I think, could see that. Um, And I, you know, I have been qualified 28 years or something and I still love it I still absolutely love it so I think it's right at the beginning when sometimes people are a bit negative about things it's just that one person who's doing the job every day and just brings you along but actually um, no one encouraged me to be a vet and I don't think I would ever encourage anyone to be a vet but if you've got that passion you can come along with me and I've there's um, a vet who works locally now, who used to see practice with me when I, she was 13, all the way through GCSEs, A-levels, and all the way through RVC. And she had that same thing. She had that same power. I just knew she was going to be good. She is good. And it's that sort of feeling of, you know, just holding someone and, and showing them what they can do and, you know, how it works, but not putting a gloss on it. You know, I don't think it needs a gloss. I'm not a huge fan of the TV programmes. I think the reality of the practice the reality of the job is much more sensible approach. Um, And because, you know, it's your career for the rest of your life and you spend more time with these people than your family. So you better enjoy it. (laughs) Otherwise, it's quite challenging. And and that's why Vet Bites, you know, that's part of the whole thing of Vet Bites, you know, with Scott, is is this stress thing you hear all the time on all these chatter groups and everything else, you know, trying to support people to just understand, you know, this is your job. You need support as well. And you can't be perfect at everything. And if you just rely on some really good resources, you can just go home and feel like you've done a good job and just 
forget about it, switch off and not worry all the time about cases, which I think a lot of people do. Yeah, I mean, it it it, it, it keeps you up at night. You know, people people have sleepless nights about about case management, and it's yeah. it's a real and and you know I've experienced that. So just, but it's a worry though because it kind of infiltrates and in, in in into other bits of your life. So I don't know. Um, it, it's interesting. So if you, I'd, can I ask if you had your time again, would you make the same choice to study veterinary medicine? I would actually. Okay. Yeah. I would. My backup plan was be a pathologist doing post-mortems all day uh, because I love anatomy and those patients can't answer back either. Mm. Um, but yes, I would. <laughs> Good. No, I, I, yeah, I, I think, but I think it's for me, what's interesting and, and really interesting talking to you, not only because you've done all these madly cool things, but also that you um, are, we are able to do more with the veterinary degree than just you know the actual veterinary medicine and I think that's kind of what I lost sight of and and we are we have other skills we have other capabilities we can use it in different ways and 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 I I had lost sight of that a bit and I think it's really nice to be able to explore other other things and and it definitely brings a bit of kind of balance and I agree with you and I think what's a shame is that sometimes people leave the profession because they can you know intelligent people we can go sideways anytime but actually you can really embellish the job you're doing if you um you think like you're saying you know you can go sideways you don't have to be in clinical practice the whole time mm. but you can also do things that make your job better you know I, I was working in a practice where I had a lot of deaf clients for many years mm. and I did a two-year level one and two BSL course so that I could communicate with them better using British Sign Language and you know that was mm. off my own back but for me it made my job more enjoyable because I could really connect with them and I could really because they're paying the same consult fee, you know, and they're not getting the same service yeah. if you can't communicate with them. And it, it's things like that that actually make the job better for me. I mean, I know it did for them, but, it, you know, if you think of it like that, then you can make the job better for you, but everyone knows what makes the job better for them. Um, and I think when you come out yeah. of college, it's so sort of rabbit in the headlights that you can't sometimes think like that. And there's a lot of pressures uh, as a new grad. So I think keeping clients happy and all this sort of stuff at the end of the day you're the one who needs to be happy not everyone else so that you can then deliver a really good job wow do you know i'm i'm actually really inspired you really inspired me to do that. i think that's amazing and um and i think that's a really nice uh way for us to maybe wrap up i think that's a uh, i'm gonna go and do something i'm gonna learn sign language or something <laughs> fantastic language i love it I do, you know, honestly, I think that's amazing, and um, and I, I truly, truly think that that what you've done with um vet bites is is just brilliant, and um, and I, I'm sure it will be extremely successful. So well, I hope so. Thank you, Scott. And I really hope people um use it and benefit from it and actually grow to love it. So just to say a massive thank you to everyone for listening. We truly appreciate all of your support. If you are on social media, then head over to our social media platforms and give us a like, follow and a share. For more information about VetBytes, um, then head over to their website, which is www.vetbytes.co.uk. And just to be clear, the VetBytes is spelled VET, B-Y-T-E-S. To find out more about VTX, then head over to our website, which is www.vtx-cpd.com. And again, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.